0: All right, take your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. How'd your week go? How'd it go? Like if you're honest, right? Let's, let's do thumbs up, thumbs down in the middle, okay? How many of you say I had a thumbs up week? Really good week, lots to be thankful for. This doesn't, awesome, that's great. How many of you would say I had a medium week? If I'm honest, mixed bag, some good, okay, It's good, some good, some bad. How many you like, it was a rough week, I'm gonna be honest. Okay, it was a rough week, that's okay. We have those two. Um, I find myself coming back to a pretty simple idea, especially when it's been challenging in life, and that is that God doesn't expect me um, to be in this incredible place all the time, right? Do you know what he expects of us? I want to give you two really simple words to hold on to. God expects us to walk with him and be good and faithful. Faithful. Good and faithful. God's not asking me this morning to be some incredible pastor. He's actually asking me to be good and faithful. And no matter how the day goes, right? Go to sleep tonight, I'll wake up in the morning and guess what he wants from me tomorrow? To be good and faithful. And sometimes we kind of need to reduce it to that place (laughs) to be like, okay, with God's help and his grace, right? New every morning, I can go forward today. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and uh, this is an interesting section, Ecclesiastes 10 and 11, because it's a little bit like the book of Proverbs. And uh, that can be really nice because you can just grab onto something that you catch in the chapter, or that can be a little bit um, hard to categorize and just kind of know how to work through. And so I wanna help us do that this morning. Let's pray and uh, ask God to lead us. Uh, As we do that, and then I'm thankful at the end of the service today, we get to celebrate communion, remember Christ's death until he comes and Pastor Lloyd is gonna gonna lead us in that. So I'm really excited for that too. Let's pray together. God, as we bow before you, I, I wanna bring to you each individual sitting in this room. I don't know all the thumbs up, thumbs down, middle of the road things of this week for people, but you do. You know us down to the very hairs of our head. You know when we sit down and when we stand up, there's no place that we can run to get away from you. You know us. And yet, in Christ, we are not only fully known, we are fully loved. In all of our mess, in all of our struggle, you care. And thank you for your word that is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path that we need so badly. Lord, I pray for the person sitting out here today who is tired. They have been overwhelmed by life and the more and more and more that they're they're being called on to accomplish and they're just exhausted. Would you give them your strength today? Lord, I pray for the person who's fearful of what lies ahead, that they might know that you are with them. I pray for the one who's discouraged, that you might lift them up again. Lord, I pray for someone here who's living their own way, They're They're actually living in rebellion against you and doing their own thing that you might uh, just break them and wake them up and bring them back to the right path and that they might bow before you. And Lord, in, in all these things, we thank you that you are the great shepherd of the sheep, that we are the people of your hand and we put ourselves in that great and glorious and loving hand this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, I'm going to do one thing real fast. I turned on the air because it was getting a little warm, but I don't want to freeze you out. Okay, so let me turn off the air. Give me one sec. Ron usually does this, but he's in with the kids, so. Uh, that should stop it in a sec. If it keeps going, I'll turn it back up. All right. Anybody like seafood? Man, I love seafood. I grew up in, on the East Coast in New Hampshire. And so it was very accessible. It is not in Utah, right? And uh, whenever I try to satisfy that deep craving of my heart, uh, I am often disappointed. But I shouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, we live in a landlocked Western state. I should be eating steak. I shouldn't be eating seafood. Um, But this is one of my favorite seafoods. A comedian of, uh, that I enjoy listening to said, we shouldn't eat this. God put it on the bottom of the ocean in a hard shell with claws. We should have got the message, you know. Um, but anyway, I love lobster. Uh, maybe you love shrimp or other things. Um, but you'll notice up in the top corner, that little clawy looking thing is not just for decoration. That's actually a tool, isn't it? So if you've ever had lobster, you kind of have to work for dinner. And, uh, or you can get lazy man's lobster and they'll do it for you. But normally you have to do some work uh, to get to the, the meat of it, and uh, on that lobster, you probably throw out about half of it with the body and all that, but um, that's something I enjoy. Maybe you've had peel-and-eat shrimp. Anybody had peel-and-eat shrimp, and uh, you get it with, you know, some melted butter or something, and man, it's awesome, but you gotta do a little bit of work. When we come to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, there's, there's actually a little bit of work that we have to do to make sense of it all. Now, now there's, we could just read through it and say, well, maybe God will like make something click for me. And you've probably all done that in Proverbs and, and we could just read through it and I could say like star reverse that pops out to you. That's not a bad thing to do. But if we're gonna see it as a whole, then we've gotta do a little bit of extra work or else it won't fit together. I wanted to recommend a few resources to you um, as you study the Bible. Don't get overwhelmed by this. This is just to help, okay? You're like, whoa, those are big books. <laughs> they are, okay? Uh, what will help you in a spot like this to understand God's word better, right? To dig in a little bit. I wanna give you three recommendations. Number one is the single most helpful thing you could have for studying your Bible, bar none. If you're gonna go spend $50 or $100 or whatever it is to have a tool to help you walk with God, no question, no debate, this is the very best thing you could buy is a good study Bible. So they're, they're kind of big and, you know, dangerous. No, I don't know. They're significant. But a good study Bible is the most helpful thing because it's at its center, it's still the Bible. It's God's word. And then there's little notes, right? That answer questions or deal with passages that are hard that you can go like, I don't understand what it's saying in verse eight. And then you can look down and they're like, oh, there's a little explanation to help me. A lot of study Bibles have an introduction to each book of the Bible. They'll kind of give you an outline of what happens in the book, right? And they're just an, kind of like an all-around great tool to have. How many of you have, you, you probably don't bring it to church as much, uh, you probably bring a smaller Bible or your phone, but how many of you have a good study Bible at your house? Okay, how have you used the study Bible that you have at your house? Yeah, it's, it's a great tool right? So I have the MacArthur study Bible here. There's also an ESV study Bible by Crossway. That's really good. If you want some direction or help with that, maybe you're a new Christian or you've never had a, a study Bible like that, come talk to us and we'll point you in a good direction. But that is the single best tool that you could have. Next phase, if you want, is uh, something called a whole Bible commentary. So that's what these are. These are the ones that everybody think ooh and odd at. But this is actually... Uh, notes and comments and explanation that covers the whole Bible. So in these two books, right, the thicker one is the Old Testament because the Old Testament's thicker. You got more questions. And the little one's the New Testament. So this is something called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. And in these two books, you could have a pretty good resource um, when you run across other questions that you might have. So I highly recommend something like this. Uh, They're certainly also available digitally if you want them, um, but that's a great tool to have. And last thing, if you want, uh, you are, if you're gonna spend significant time in a single book of the Bible, right? Like I wanna read this book of the Bible or I wanna study this topic in the Bible, right? You can get kind of like a single commentary. They're not all this thin, by the way, um, but on a single book. So these are two that Danny loaned to me while he was gone to help study. Uh, this one's Ecclesiastes, called Total Life, uh, by a great guy named Walter Kaiser. And this one is The Message of Ecclesiastes by a guy named J.A. Motier. And they're just tool, two really good tools. Let me make a recommendation for you know, non-preaching people. How's that? Get a good one and a little one. Something that you can actually kind of digest and use and help. Um, and these two have actually been a huge help to me this week and they're, they're not too overwhelming. Okay, so there's some tools. Part of my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You know what that means? It's my job not just to do everything for our church family. It's my job to give you the tools to follow God and serve him with your life, right? Church is not about like I get my fill of stuff and then I just go home. It's actually meant to train you and give you tools so that Monday through Saturday looks different and so that you can go and be a blessing in your workplace and in your home and every place God has you. That's what's supposed to be happening. So there's some great tools there that will be a help to you. Let's read from Ecclesiastes. We're actually gonna start at the tail end of chapter nine. Look at verse 17. The words of the wise, the Bible says, heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And then these first three verses of chapter 10 are kind of the intro for what's coming next. The Bible says this. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. You know what that means? That it only takes a little bad decision to destroy a lot of good. Have you noticed that? I mean, a company works and builds for all these years and then it has uh, one employee that embezzles funds and it goes bankrupt. A little evil has the power to tear down a lot of good. Then, verse 2 A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. This doesn't mean, you know, conservative versus liberal. It's just saying it takes you in different directions, and one is better than the other. Verse 3 Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone, that he is a fool. Everywhere a foolish person goes, they're lost and they do things that just scream, I'm not very wise here. I've noticed this in Utah a little bit that there seems to be this thing for walking around neighborhoods late at night with dark clothes on. <laughs> what? That's a good way to get hit, right? right? Even a fool, when he just wanders around. You're like, he is not making sense here. Here's the big idea of this chapter. Even in a world like this, God calls us to embrace wise activity. It would be easy for us to put our heads in the sand as Christians and go, what a mess! I'm gonna put my head in the sand. Don't do that. Pursue whatever God has called you to be and do. Your relationship and your family, your work, your community, your hobbies. Enjoy them. We talked about that last week. Be wisely active. But also realize there's an element of divine mystery to it all. Because we live in a world that we can't figure out. It's interesting when Job was going through that really hard season in his life, you know what the question that kept coming to his mind was? Why? What is going on? Anybody else been in a place where you're like, what is going on? I have. And the reality is from God's word that God almost never answers the why. Do you know what his answer to our great soul searching of figuring it out is? It's the who. Remember at the end of Job, God goes, did did you make this world? Have you created the animals and and does this all work because you got it figured out? Do do you call rain from heaven? No, the the who is there is a, a divine mystery. There is a God way bigger than us in all of this. So what do we learn from these This section of God's word. Let's just read through it together. It kind of pops into some different sections. By the way, incredibly helpful for right where we live today. Look at verses four through seven of chapter 10. How do we live in a wise way? How do we embrace active uh, life that honors God? Verse four, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, fight back, fight the power. No, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. This is a phrase he's used a bunch. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. There's this bad thing that that the writer says he's observed, and look what it is. Folly is set in many high places. Amen. I kid you not. I almost did the next slide as a picture of the current and prior president of the United States of America. And do you know what? I couldn't do that because of what it did to my soul. So I love one of them and hate the other. We have experienced folly (laughs) at the highest levels of our government. And then it says, and the rich, people who have been successful, who know how to build things, who are in places where they should be prominent, sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. I have watched in the ruling world things that make no sense. You ever had this happen in your workplace? That somebody got promoted and you were like, for real? Everyone on our team knows that person is not, shouldn't be promoted. And now they're my boss. What? God calls us to live with patient humility. Verse four, do not leave your place for calmness. That's the word for patience. We'll lay great offenses to rest. We should not be vigilantes trying to fight the power. As Christians, we should be patient and humble and let God work it out. We should walk with wisdom. Matthew 5, verse 5, simple idea. By the way, you want something that will challenge your soul, just read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are, blessed are. Blessed are the what? Meek for they shall inherit the earth's strength under control, patiently gentle. Number two, we should be aware of life's inherent risks. So as we're actively following God, there are risks. Look at verse eight. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stone is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Here's the wisdom here. That life is full of inherent risks. You say, right, that's why I bury my head in the sand. No. (laughs) We just recognize that there's real risk and we live with it. And we follow the Lord and try try to beware, right? Because if you dig pits, you can... Fall into them. We watched the old Swiss family Robinson. I don't know if anybody, yeah, yeah. There we go. I got some friends and I got people like, there's an old Swiss family Robinson? What is that? And uh, we, Tim loves animals and like adventure. And I'm like, he's, he got scared a couple times, but for the most part, it was a blast. Right. And there's this cool scene where he, they dig a hole and they catch a tiger and, but you don't want to fall into that hole as the people at the end of the movie <laughs> realize. If you're breaking down walls, I grew up in New England with lots of stone walls. Guess what lives in stone walls? Snakes, you break down walls, there's a chance you get bitten by a snake. You quarry stones, there's a chance you get hurt by a stone falling on you. If you split logs, there's a real chance of endangering yourself. My father-in-law splits logs in the winter. He has a concrete cutting outdoor company in the summer and he has a wood splitter in the backyard. Not like a little wood splitter, like a big commercial wood splitter. And a couple years ago, he was splitting logs, and he put a log in, and his hand got pulled in. Yeah. And he managed to pull it out, but the wood splitter got like the top of two of his fingers in the middle. Thankfully, he lives near the University of Michigan Hospital, where there's incredible staff and hand specialists My uh, mother-in-law worked at the U of M for a number of years and they were able to get his fingers, get them to the hospital, and get them put back on. They're still not quite right. There's some sense that's gone there and because there's a real inherent risk. And when you chop wood, there's a chance you just wear yourself out because your axe isn't doing its job we lived in Indiana for a number of years in farm country and if you live in any place like that with industrial equipment, you'll notice people who have had a run in with it. We had a guy in our church uh, who had lost his arm from here in, a, in an accident. Oh no, it's right arm, so we called him lefty. Uh, but anyway, we had a guy, who, <laughs> Jim, remember Jim? Yeah, yeah, anyway, and we actually had a guy uh, that I got to know well uh, in my early time of being there who actually got sucked into a grain bin and lost his life. Like, life has risk. You say, that's why I don't do farming. All of life has risk. We all get in the car and drive home and there's risk. You say, that's why I stay at home. There's risk to being at home. Everywhere we go, there's risk. Do you know there's something called compassion fatigue? This came out a lot after COVID that nurses... And doctors had experienced so much weight and so much caring that they kind of quit caring. You say, not nah, nurses and doctors. Yeah, their souls were so empty. This is, this is why the sabbatical that you guys allowed us to have this summer and, and helped us to have was so good for our souls. Because there's a danger as a pastor in carrying the weight of spiritual care that your own soul gets zapped out. This is actually one for teachers, Imagine your life with 20 kindergartners all day, every day. You say, they love it. Mm, they do, most of them, most of the time. That's why they have the summers off, FYI. Right? There are real risks wherever we go. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, so I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. And listen to what Paul says, lest after preaching to others, I, myself, should be disqualified. there's a danger for me, you should pray for me. You should pray for our family. Because Satan loves to come after people who lead. Because if he can shipwreck my life, guess who that impacts? Right? There's actually a book by Paul Tripp called A Dangerous Calling, it's about pastoring. You know what's interesting about that book? On the back are recommendations by four pastors of the book. Do you know what's happened to all four of those pastors who recommended the book a dangerous calling? They've been disqualified. They say, well, that would never happen at Gospel Hope. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Right? Right? Life is full of inherent risks. Verse 11, just to tie this all together, verse 11, if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. You know what that's saying? And by the way, if you find this out too late, it probably already happened to you. That's what it's saying. The snake already bit him. Boy, I wish he charmed him. Already bit him. Can I just say this to you this morning? I don't know what's going on in your heart or life. I know some of you, well. But, but if there's stuff going on in your soul and, and there's kind of warning flags going off, maybe you're a mom and you're like, this, you know, this is killing me and I, I, I see all the other moms on social media and they are doing great and I'm a disaster, one, you're not. But can I just tell you, reach out, talk to somebody, because you're not alone and the struggles you're dealing with are not special to you. Life is full of risks. And that's part of living in wisdom. Number three, choose your words carefully. Verse 12, what do wise people do? They choose their words carefully. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him for he does not know the way to the city. This is a theme all throughout the book of Proverbs, isn't it, that we ought to be careful with our words, that words have power. And part of a wise life is knowing that words of encouragement, words of help, even words of correction and confrontation have great value. But we can also tear down with our words, can't we? Or like the verse said about the fool, we can multiply our words. Some of us just can't quit talking. And the Bible says, be wise. Be wise. Be careful with your words. Are we wise or are we foolish? Number four, verse 14, or yeah, verse, uh, sorry, verse 16. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. It shouldn't be that way, right? Start drinking at 9 a.m., not good. Happy are you, verse 17 says, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Though sloth, through sloth, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks, neglect. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life. And money answers everything. That's why our national debt keeps getting bigger. Because money is the answer to everything in our government. Even in your thoughts, the verse says, do not curse the king. Nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice or some winged creature will tell the matter. It's interesting that this chapter starts and ends this section with advice on how we handle leaders and authority. It's one of the inherent problems of our American society is our independence and our self-authority. We very much struggle to live underneath authority without our way being known and heard. But we should celebrate when we have good leaders and be careful what we say about bad ones. The walls have ears. You ever heard that? So the verses are saying that when we have good leaders, man, embrace it, be happy. When we have bad leaders, be careful. Social media is not the best place for you to vent your opinion about government, especially if it's a negative one. Say, well, I feel better when I do that. I just need to get it off my chest. Be careful. Any of you ever resigned from a job? I did a few years ago. The, we were in Colorado and the, the church, I'd actually been through a really hard time at the job and the church we were at needed a lead pastor. Our lead pastor stepped away and so for about six months there, I was the interim lead pastor but I had to resign my job in the community in order to care for the church full time. But it actually been a very, very hard season and so I started kind of drafting up a resignation letter that did not look like this it actually was the grief of my soul and my frustrations and um, it was harsh. The next sentence that I tell you is gonna make some of you very uncomfortable. I, I was drafting it on the company um, software. Company file system. Yeah, that was dumb. But I was really frustrated. And uh, I remember I was really close. I was the accounting manager at this place, and I was really close to the HR director. And I went into her office one day, and we were shooting the breeze, we were talking, and she goes, "Uh, Just so you know, the general manager of the business, the organization, who was part of my frustration, found your resignation letter. I cannot tell you in human words what I felt at that moment. You know what that was? That was foolish. And I was not careful. And so this warning (laughs) is a real warning. You might be in a frustrating place right now. You might want to speak your mind. You might want to let somebody have it. You might want to say something that you think is in secret. Be careful. That's what wise activity looks like. And then chapter 11, this is where we'll end this morning, tells us, That wise activity looks like living generously in the middle of God's mystery. This is cool. Look at verse one of chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight for you do not know what disaster may happen on the earth. Give generously. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth and if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He, obs- he who observes the wind, just is always worried about the weather, will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. Here, the next two verses make sense of what we just read. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes Everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And at the evening, withhold not your hand. Work hard, be active. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Like be active, be generous, give and see what God does. Some of us are so calculated and such planners that these verses kind of go, If I just put the right plan together, God will make my plan work. Wow, we misunderstand God. The verse that hit me the most out of all these verses that we read was verse five. So if I was reading through this and and maybe hadn't done all the study that I've done and just sent a star a verse, that's the one I would have starred. And actually a number of translations and manuscripts say this, as you do not know the way of the wind... Or how bones grow in the womb. Aren't these great mysteries? What you see on the screen there is a wind map of the United States. Isn't that cool? So, if someone here could just come up and explain wind to us, that'd be excellent. Where's it come from? Where's it going? Did you know I was at a little monument in South Jordan? We were at, um, A seafood restaurant there. Uh, What's the seafood restaurant in South Jordan? Anyway, we were there. What? Oh, anyway. One I shouldn't have gone to. I don't know. (laughs) Save it for New England. And there's a little monument there. And do you know what I learned at the little monument? Do you know what the original name of the town of South Jordan, the city of South Jordan was? Gale. G A L E. That's the original name of, if you find an old Utah map, an old Salt Lake City map, it's Gale because the wind always blows. We learned this riding our bikes in the valley. It's either blowing up the valley or down the valley, right? So we would always try to ride into the wind on the way out even though that was suffering sometimes because we wanted the tailwind (laughs) when we were riding home. But I can't explain the wind and neither can you. The Bible actually compares the Holy Spirit to wind. And, And it's a thought that I've dwelled on recently when I'm just in a place where the wind is coursing through. This is what the work of God looks like. And we, and we can't, we can map it. Uh, we can't change it. And we can't explain it. It's a mystery. And so is how a baby is formed in a mother's womb, isn't it? I mean, is there anything more magical than that like 20 week ultrasound? Isn't it crazy to look at and hear a heartbeat and watch, watch that baby forming? Can someone explain that? Say, yes, cells divide and divide and baby. It's a mystery. It's God's mystery. And did you see what the verse said? So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Last week I titled the sermon, Everyone Dies. Someone on YouTube cleaned it up for like before the, you know, in the face of death or something. In the shadow of death. I think that was actually an initial title. (laughs) You know what I almost titled this morning? You can't figure out God. He is so big, so immense, so knowledgeable, so wise, so loving, so eternal. You can't figure him out. Say, but I really need to. Do you know who you're like torturing when you try to do that? Yourself. But if God would help us to rest in his bigness, if I could say it that way. If he'd actually help us to just say, I can trust you. I don't get it all. I've looked up at the stars. The Bible says you call them all by name. I could stay here all night and not count them. so you do not know the work of God. We're gonna celebrate communion now, but the connection is undeniable, isn't it? We're gonna sing as our second song, Communion, a famous song, Jesus, thank you. The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary, you the perfect holy one, crushed your son, explain that sentence that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal. Explain the love of God to me. Explain the wisdom of God from creation past to plan for his son to die, to, to come, to live a perfect life and die to take the penalty of our sin. That's a mystery. Explain the fact that God has done a work in your heart if you know him that he knew the time and place you were gonna be born, that he knew you'd sit in this room today, that he allowed you to, in, in your darkest hour or when you were a child or whenever he shined into your life, that you opened up his word and you came to know the God of the universe that's so big you can't possibly know him. That's a mystery. And even though I wrestle with it, you say, can you explain God and the problem of evil? Well, explain to me how all this works. Do you know what I try to do, guys? And I say this from the bottom of my heart. Be like, that guy's too simple. I try to pick up this book and hear what God has to say and follow him. That's it. And anybody who thinks they can put God in their neat and tidy box and explain it all and they found the theological system that makes sense of it all is a fool because god is bigger aren't you thankful to live in that mystery and one day to see him face to face